Hello and welcome to episode two of the Suffering with Spurs podcast with me, Sean Torgerman. Um Very good feedback from the first episode. Thank you very much for everyone who gave me uh, feedback on that, positive and negative. Most of it was positive. Uh, the only negatives really came from people saying that they didn't think I should call it the Suffering with Spurs podcast. That's the name of my blog. Um, and my Twitter handle as well. So that's the reason it's called Suffering with Spurs. And I think it encapsulates what it feels like to be a Tottenham Hotspur supporter, especially a long-suffering one. So I won't be changing it. I think it's pretty apt. Um, and yeah, that's that's the reason it's called it. Because, I mean, to be a Tottenham Hotspur fan, in my era anyway, and I've been supporting them for 34, 35 years, um, it's definitely been a hard road with a lot of suffering. Hopefully that's coming to an end um, because I'm speaking on the evening of the 13th. Uh, the dust has settled uh, from the first Premier League game of the season. And yeah, it was it was a good watch. Um, obviously frustrating to draw 2-2 because we did have most of the ball and that's not something we're obviously used to. Um, in recent times, uh, it really was a, a decent performance all round. Could have been a lot better, but you can't you can't really expect much more from them. I don't think. I know that we've all got very excited because of the the way that Ange Postecoglou clearly wants the team to play, and that's great. But that's obviously going to take time to implement, and it's very very different watching that implemented in pre-season games, where obviously the the intensity is nothing like the Premier League, and then going into a into a Premier League game when, in all honesty, we're very underprepared in comparison to the majority of other Premier League teams in terms of how many minutes we've played in general, but also how many we've played against teams who will play at that intensity. Because, uh, I mean, as I said in the last one, our pre-season against what was effectively West Ham's youth team over a month ago, then a Singaporean team, um, then... a pretty bang average Shakhtar team and then obviously more recently the Barcelona team they they weren't high intensity games really um, and Brentford our opponents today I'm pretty sure they went to America for their pre-season and played as part of that sort of um, that pre-season tournament over there where they were playing other Premier League teams so they would definitely be ahead of us in terms of just their preparation in terms of fitness but also we're playing a team that have played um, under Thomas Frank for a long time, they're drilled, they know exactly what their jobs are and we're a team who are playing under a new manager in a competitive game for the first time and that considered, I think it's actually pretty miraculous the way that we performed out there today. You would say on paper, yeah, we might have better players than the majority of Brentford um, but, I mean, that shouldn't make a difference really because, as I said, they're, they've been under Tom, Thomas Frank's leadership for years and this is literally the first competitive game under the new manager and that considered for us to be able to keep hold of the ball, 70% possession, obviously possession isn't everything, but to, to control the game pretty much um, for large parts is pretty impressive. And I, I think aside from a few little things that didn't go our way, it could have been quite different really. Um, obviously to start off with Christian Romero heading... Luckily, he didn't get taken off before that, but he obviously headed in our our first goal from a beautiful James Madison cross, which I'm expecting us to see a lot more of throughout the season. Um, he was then immediately taken off and replaced by Davidson Sanchez, who obviously gets a lot of stick, but I think that he was he was pretty much faultless today. 
he always has moments where you think he might do something dodgy. And that's obviously based on the fact that we've experienced things like that with him before. So you get worried if he's going to make a, a mistake like he has in the past. But I think he was he was excellent. He's, the only the difference is, and the reason it probably hindered us, is that Romero's a lot more proactive in bringing the ball out from the back. Um, and he's a lot more front-footed. Um, he takes a lot more risks um, than especially Sanchez does now. So that probably hinders us, hindered us in terms of going forward. But I think that he was... Um, he was a decent replacement, but it definitely did hinder us, Romero, going off. And, um, yeah, I mean, then to concede a penalty, which to me was a soft penalty, you can see why they gave it. But I don't think that the VAR needs to intervene in that in that one. I've seen plenty, even in the Chelsea-Liverpool game, that didn't even get taken to VAR. So I was surprised that happened, but it did. Um, obviously, made it one all, and then a very soft shot, uh, to, for Brentford to go 2-1 up, uh, which was obviously unfortunately deflected by uh, debutant Van der Ven um, and Vicario couldn't do anything about that. So the two, obviously a debut for Vicario, the two goals that he conceded, penalty obviously is a 50-50, it's a lottery. And then the second goal, like I said, he couldn't do anything about it. Um, obviously, I've seen on Twitter as well that, that people saying ridiculous things like we need a new keeper. It's so understandable that he did look nervous, that he did look a little bit off, that he was a little bit unsure. It's his first ever game in the Premier League, having come from a completely different league in in uh, Serie A. He's also being asked to play in a completely different way. He's obviously come from Empoli, um, who are very very much a sort of bottom half team in Serie A. He's come to Spurs, who are obviously there's a lot more expected of you. And in this new Ange system, there's a lot more expected of the goalkeeper. It's going to take him time to adapt. It's as simple as that. So to jump on him and say, oh, I'm not sure about this guy. He looks, oh, he's scaring me, he's scaring the shit out of me. Like... Give him a break. It is his debut. Like, of course, reserve judgment. If a year down the line or six months down the line, it looks like he's not the man for us, then then fair enough. But if we're going to trust Ange Postacoglu and we're going to trust his judgment and the way he wants to play football and from everything I've heard and heard from him, Vicario is someone that he has given the green light to. How much he wanted him personally at the beginning we don't know but he definitely said that it was someone that he'd been looking at for a while so we've got to, we've got to trust the process if you, we're going to trust the manager and he says this is the goalkeeper for me then let's go for it let's let's go with him and I think that that Vicario of course he, he was a little bit unsure sometimes he kicked the ball out once but he looked more than anything he actually looks like he's got the bravery necessary to play for Postacoglu and that's that's a big thing. Um, he was obviously he waited. He wasn't he wasn't just kicking it out for the sake of it. He was he wasn't he wasn't really sort of taken out of his stride under pressure. There was a couple of moments where he wasn't really certain what he was going to do, but he was he had the patience to wait till someone was available to pass to. He didn't just kick it long because he was worried. Like he obviously played a few long balls, but I think that they were because there weren't any other options on. And yeah, I think he he did well considering it was his debut. Um, the best you can ask for a goalkeeper is that they didn't make any mistakes that led to goals, and he didn't let anything in that he should have otherwise saved, really. And what that that's all you can ask from him in his, in his first game. Um, 
obviously then uh, we went up the other end and and got the equaliser which turned out to be the last goal of the game Emerson who it's just an unbelievable transformation for me where Emerson's now where he now sits in terms of um, his standing within the Tottenham fans because it was literally incredibly only seven months ago January that game against Villa at home where we lost 2-0 where he was getting booed and I for one just I just had enough of him at that moment um, I'd never I'd never seen him as a sort of a terrible um, defensive player but he was so ineffective going forward and he was obviously playing as a right wing back at the time which isn't his position and I always said as many others did that if he was in a four he'd actually be a really effective right back because he's he's pretty stable defensively he's not unbelievable and he hasn't got unbelievable pace which obviously got exposed a few times today so that might be something to look at in the future but if you offered him to me, along with Porro at the moment, start games where you might be vulnerable to to fast players or or quick counter attacks. Even though Porro's faster, there's no doubt who's better defensively. So yeah, you do miss out slightly in terms of his attacking ability. But I mean, today he scored a goal, and it's not the first time he scored a goal. Um, obviously scored against West Ham last season, scored against City away as well. Um, and what a finish really from outside the area. Um, Obviously, no Harry Kane. Uh, you, were, you were hoping that some of the goals would come from the attacking players. But in the end, it was Romero and uh, Emerson Royale who scored the goals. Um, and that's certainly no bad thing because, um, obviously, when you do give up a striker who scores 40% of all your goals, you do, you do need to spread it around the team a bit more. Um, obviously, wouldn't expect too many more from Romero and Royale. But, I mean, Romero's in the... This is obviously the beginning of his third season. He's only scored one league goal, uh, one goal in total, actually, I think, pr- prior to today. Um, and that was when um, I was away at Brighton, if you remember, where uh, Kulisevsky's shot deflected in off him. So that's the first time he's ever really been effective from a from a corner or a set piece. And you'd, with, the, with his aerial prowess, you'd expect that to happen more frequently. So, yeah, um, uh, the first half probably wasn't the, the better of the two halves, even though those that's the half that we scored the goals in. Um, that was a that's we seem to be sort of counted on a lot more easily in the first half than we were in the second. Um, so, yeah, when we went into the second, obviously you would I would imagine there would have been a few things that Andrew was a little bit unhappy with, and he definitely um, drilled that into them. And then for the n- near entirety of the second half. We we just sat camped in there in in the opposition half, and that does not happen. Well, that hasn't happened for a very very long time um, at Tottenham. So that was nice to see, but it also reminded you of what it felt like um, in the in the bad days under Poch, where we used to do that quite regularly, and we we'd really struggle against a low block. Um, the one thing I'd say about Brentford is that they're exceptional at getting back um, when they do have have the ball when you come back and. Uh, try and attack. They're really, really good at uh, getting men back and and cutting off, cutting out spaces and cutting off passes and um, filling space that you'd you'd hope to sort of create chances in. So, but Brentford are definitely not an easy team to play. I think they beat four of the they beat four of the top six last season. So it's not an awful result to go to Brentford and get a draw, especially as I keep saying um, in the first game under a new manager first game of the season people are clearly still rusty um and yeah in that second half you could see that really because in the second half I think that 
and Postecoglou who said it obviously in his interviews since that we could have been a bit more proactive in the in the second half. We could have we could have looked for the spaces. We definitely could have looked for a Charleston more. I mean, he he didn't have a great game, but he didn't really have the opportunity to have a great game. He obviously had one chance where he was sort of played through. Um, by Madison, a really perfect opportunity, but the, the defender covered the space really well and he had a limited sort of space to shoot into and that went straight at the keeper and he had another one where he where it looked like it was about to open up for him and he um and it got blocked but he wasn't really he wasn't involved that much and he I mean obviously we've had a striker in Harry Kane who's so all encompassing in the way that he plays that he he's been a ten and a nine in one for at least the last three seasons. So when he doesn't get the ball and when the ball's not coming to him up front, he invariably drops deep and collects it. And I would imagine that Postacoglu probably encouraged Richarlison to sort of stay up there in a way that Harry Kane hasn't done in recent times, despite the fact he scored thirty goals. There's still definitely been times in the last couple of years where the ball's gone forward for Spurs and you've been looking for Harry Kane and wondering why he's not in the box and you see that he's waiting on the edge of the box because he's so involved in play and what we what we really need, especially in this team that's going to sort of dominate possession, is someone who does want to stay in the box and the truth is we didn't really look for him enough. So um, I don't think Richie can be judged much on today's performance really. I think that again, he's it's going to take time for him it's not, he hasn't, I mean, I know he plays up front number nine for Brazil, but he hasn't had a regular run of games at number nine since he played for Everton. He's played, I think, once, maybe twice for Spurs from the beginning up front. Um, that was Sheffield United away, which is obviously an awful game for everyone. But you couldn't, again, you couldn't just expect him to turn up with no rhythm because, as we know, forwards need rhythm. And um, he hasn't he hasn't been given the opportunity yet, so we definitely can't judge him based on that performance. It's going to take time. If he's given a run of games and he doesn't get injured, then I believe there's definitely a player in there. Like I keep saying, he is Brazil's number nine. He starts every game up front for the most sort of prestigious national team in world football. So even though obviously they're not. It, sort of blessed with unbelievable strikers as they once were, he he still has that place. And there's a hell of a lot of Brazilian footballers out there. So he isn't, as I've seen many people say on Twitter, shit, terrible, not good enough. I think time will tell. Obviously, the jury's still out, but there's a player in there. And I think I think people are easy to forget. Easy to forget. It's very easy to forget that before he got injured in October last year, um, just after he'd scored two against Marseille in the Champions League, and he'd had a really good game at home against Fulham as well, if you remember, where um, he scored, where he thought he'd scored and took his shirt off, and um, it turned out to be offside. He was actually really starting to play well at that point. Point. He then obviously got injured, came back to the for the World Cup for Brazil, then got injured again after that, and it, and then obviously look, I mean, the team he came back into. Um, after his injury, I think he came back in late January, early February, was a disaster of a team. It was just as the Conte wheels had started to fall off um, and within a month Conte was gone. So I don't think we can really judge any player on their performances in that period of time. That's why we conceded so many goals. That's why we got thrashed so easily because there was no cohesion. There was no 
direction. There were three different managers, and he was obviously part of that as well. Um, and he, I mean, even if you remember the what game was it? The um, I think it was the Palace game at home. Maybe it was the Palace game. Maybe it wasn't, but he did, he when he when he did start for um, no, it was the Forest game, Nottingham Forest game. Where we won three um, one. That was the first game after we got knocked out of the Champions League to AC Milan. Um, he scored a, a beautiful finish on the half volley and in the second third minute of the game, and that got disallowed as well. So he's for offside. So he's been unlucky. I'd say in that he's had a couple of he's had three or four offside goals that would have definitely stopped this narrative of. He's oh he's only scored one goal for Spurs. People obviously forgetting that he scored two in the Champions League. Of course, last season didn't go the way he wanted it to, um, because again you would have wanted more. But he's I believe that he's a centre forward and he didn't play as a centre forward, so his stats aren't really relevant in that sense. Because if you're judging him on the the on the same sort of measure as you would a centre forward if he hasn't been playing up front then you can't judge him by those same parameters so yeah um, we'll see what what happens with him but I, I genuinely believe there's a lot more to come um, he never stands still for a minute he's got a lot of energy and there is talent in there so yeah um, and he's played I, mean, I, think, I think he played the full 90 minutes as well which is definitely not something he's done for Spurs before I'm sure so yeah that's really good um, Kulisevsky was Frustrating. Um, he definitely isn't. He definitely isn't showing the same form that he did in the in his first season at Spurs, where he was just unbelievable. And he he was um, he would he scored some brilliant goals in that time, and he was really um, dynamic. And he's never been blessed with real pace, but he really was able to take it around his man. And today, they just defended really well. Um, at the end of the day, he really he he. He tried his best and he and he didn't give the ball away too many times, but he, he wasn't able really to beat his man very often um, and his delivery wasn't brilliant. Um, I'm surprised really that he stayed on for the full game really um, because I feel like, we'll get into that in a minute, but I feel like Solomon could have definitely cha- changed the game in the last five or ten minutes when it didn't really look like we were making too much of an impact. Um, Sun, uh, again, looks rusty. Um, I don't particularly believe that the way with the way that he's playing now I don't think that that left wing position is actually the best position for him and he, despite what I've just said about Richarlison I think it wouldn't be the worst idea for him to to get a run up top as well obviously that's in contradiction to what I've said about Richarlison and you wouldn't imagine that, that would happen too soon but if after sort of three or four weeks it isn't really working for Richarlison and he's had a run of games and it and it's not being effective, then Sun's definitely a great option for that because, as we all know, um, in the Pete Potch years, whenever Harry Kane was injured, um, especially after the sort of failed signings of Vincent Janssen, etc., and before Urente started getting a good run, Sonny was always the man to come in and sort of deputise for Kane, even if it wasn't necessarily in exactly his role, he would always take over from the goals. And obviously that we got to the Champions League final without Kane, with Son sort of playing more centrally. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't effective today. There can't be any argument about that really. But again, um, he didn't play his first pre-season minutes. I don't think yeah until Lion City Sailors, which again that's basically a training match. 
Um, he hasn't been. He hasn't had that many preseason minutes, and he didn't play. Or he didn't even come on against Barcelona. So he's definitely not up to match match fitness yet. So we need to give him time. He's definitely not finished, and I think he'll really embrace his captain's role. Um, on top of that, and then uh, yeah. So um, and then the bit I haven't touched on. Obviously, there's a few debutants. Destiny Udoji was just for me by a distance the best debutant. Of the, of the day he just looks so composed for such a young player and we saw signs of it in pre-season it didn't seem to phase him at all that he was in a new team um, and defensively and going forward he was just brilliant and I thought it's so exciting to see what's going to happen with him um, in the future he's got he's, he, he didn't didn't really notice it before I didn't know until he came but he's a unit as well and he's got to be easily 6162 he's built like a brick shit house and he really is um Going to be what great going forward. Um, I'm really excited to see what happens with him this season. Um, he was great. Van der Ven, obviously, people might say about the sticking his leg out. He didn't need to do it against Vicario uh, to score the goal, which I'm, I'm not sure if it's gone down as an own goal, but it definitely wasn't going in if it didn't come off him. Other than that, he was brilliant. And we saw a couple of glimpses of how fast he's going to be. Um, of the, uh, Peter Drury obviously mentioned in commentary that um, that he recorded the the fastest speed in the whole of the Bundesliga last year, and that includes attackers for, for anyone. So that's pretty incredible, and you could really see that he's got a turn of pace on him. And there was a couple of moments as well where he brought the ball out from defence and looked really composed and sort of had that Dutch technical ability that you associate with Dutch players. And from what I've read about him, he is he's definitely in that mould. So a lot more to come from him as well. Um, already gone for, for, for Vicario, obviously. And then the other debutant, James Madison, um, he obviously had a great debut as well. Two assists for him. I think he looked, he, he did look a bit frustrated at times. There were plenty of times where I saw him sort of begging for the ball. And these players, obviously, they're going to need time to sort of fully engage and embrace to this sort of when you see a pass, play it, don't sort of hesitate and there was a, there were definitely in the second half there was a lot more hesitation to play it forward and you could see Madison getting frustrated and he I think is probably the most natural in this system because it is he I mean when you look at him when he squinny gets the ball he twists he turns he's always looking to play it forward and I mean it's just going to be so exciting to watch him for Spurs this season um, but yeah it, well, his teammates need to get on board with it there, there were a lot of sort of laboured passes which have been associated with Spurs more recently where you think if you just put a bit more pace on the ball it completely changes the speed of the attack and yeah uh, he, he got frustrated but I mean in general at the end of the day he got an assist, well, a very blatant assist with that brilliant free kick into Romero and then a sort of inadvertent one when the ball fell to Emerson. Um, but that's still good for the fantasy team, so who cares? Um, yeah, he was really, really good. And there's so much more to come from him again. So many so many occasions you sort of saw him on the edge of the box and obviously the Brentford players will be aware of his um, long-distance shooting ability and they sort of just, just closed off the angle as he was probably thinking about having a go. But um, yeah, he, he, loads more to come from him. Um, really exciting. Um, and then the person who got called, got name man of the match was uh, obviously Basuma, who was great again. Um, really composed on the ball. I, I mean, I wouldn't say to me it was an unbelievable performance, as some people have said. 
it was good to see him playing that role. But again, I felt like he was a little bit too casual sometimes with sometimes with his passing. He could have again, he could have put a bit more pace on the ball, giving it a bit more intent when he was going forward. That's just a li- one caveat to his decent performance. He was good. He did control the ball. Um, he did control the midfield, and I'm sure that obviously Postecoglou, having watched it, will have definitely noted as well that he could have given it a little bit earlier. He could have sort of looked for a more difficult pass rather than always playing the simple one. Um, but in general, he was good. Um, Dodgy, maybe just because he stood out for me because I've not really seen him play at that level before, would have been my man of the match. But obviously, Basuma got it um, on Sky. I think he was good again. Um, and alongside Ollie Skip, who didn't do anything wrong really, but... Um, oh, got our hopes up after the Barca game where he scored two goals and he wasn't very effective sort of going forward, which obviously isn't his job in that in that system. But um, yeah, I mean, I would have liked to see, there's a couple of players I would like to see come on. Obviously, I've said Solomon already because I feel like it was, a, I don't have anything against Perisic and, and he's been relatively effective in uh, pre-season, but I, I feel like the game was sort of, calling for someone who was going to take someone on who had real pace and trickery and and Perisic has great delivery but he's not um he's not got much pace obviously because of his age and he he's got a step over which is if you've seen seen him play enough is a guarantee every time he gets the ball whereas Solomon's a little bit more unpredictable and I feel like that might have been a a really good opportunity to sort of bring him on with five or ten minutes to go and he might have sort of surprised them a little bit and the other sub I would have brought on I would have brought on Lacelso um instead of Saar because I feel like Lacelso I feel like Lacelso could have added something there something a bit more of an attacking threat and maybe not even instead of Saar I might even have brought him on instead of uh on for Kulisevsky because I don't think Kulisevsky was particularly effective near the end of that game um and yeah so those were a couple of little things they're not big things and again, just as everyone's learning on the job, and despite his managerial experience, he's obviously also learning on the job as well. This is the first time he's really, his first time he's managing the Premier League. Um, as much research as he can do, I'm sure that once you're actually involved in it, it's very, very different and adapting and sort of seeing the way that other teams set up and the way that they nullify the way you play. And again, like the, the thing about the Premier League is that uh, because there's so much footage available. You're not going to be encountering teams that don't know how you're playing and they will have watched Spurs in pre-season. They would have seen how to sort of nullify us and they did that pretty effectively, you'd have to say. Um, But we're not going to be playing against teams like that every week and that's why next week's really going to be interesting against United because United won't be sitting back and um, we obviously won't be sitting back either because that's not the way Postecoglou does things. So that will be the real, it'll be a completely different game where United bring the game to us and we bring the game to United. And it'll be great to see how we sort of implement Ange's football in that sense. And I'd imagine it will look a lot better because you're not trying to find tiny little gaps with the other team having 11 men behind the ball. Um but yeah, that's going to be really, really, really interesting to see next week's game. Who knows what's going to happen? We could very well lose. Again, there has to be a caveat to all of this, and that is that we are in the very sort of preliminary stages of the Ange era. And as he said, and he's warned and said in, that in all of his other jobs, it's not necessarily started that well in the first sort of month or so, especially as 
is a rocky road where people start arming and ahhing and questioning him and all that sort of stuff because and more especially in this case because he is managing a team of players who for four years with the, with the obvious exceptions of players who've just come in who've played sort of on the back foot and have sort of sat in and waited and played on the counter-attack and at times been very very effective in that sense but they're not used to playing in a system where they take the game to the opponent and that's going to take some time um, to implement and that may come with some dodgy results at the beginning as I said Brentford away two all draw which is exactly the same result we got there last season is is a decent enough result definitely not anything to be unhappy about you want to win every game of course but Brentford away plenty of teams lose there so it's not awful um, and it's not any points down on what we got there last season but next week United who are obviously a year into the Ten Hag era um, they could have too much for us there's every possibility for that because we aren't as prepared as they are but at the same time if everything clicks first home game who knows what can happen um, he definitely won't be going in there expecting to lose but I think and it does, it does feel like the fans are going to give although a lot of fans especially on Twitter don't want to give sort of players a second chance or um, any patience it definitely does feel like Ange has got the good graces of the fans at the moment they understand what he's trying to do what he's trying to implement and um, they'll definitely give him a break even if next week doesn't go to plan it's not the definitely not the easiest first home game of the season um, but with the atmosphere that I'm sure will be there I'm hoping to God that it's going to be an atmosphere of sort of positivity behind the team and Ange despite whatever misgivings people might have about the board and their frustration with Kane being allowed to leave I think what we've you can blame Daniel Levy for it and I mean I do to an extent as well um, he's obviously not provided a squad whether that's because he's picked out the players himself, which I'm sure he hasn't, or whether is the people who work under him haven't. Money has been spent, but it's been spent badly. And that's the that's the real truth of the situation. That's why Harry Kane left, because you can say money hasn't been spent and we've gone for second rate sort of choices over first choices. And there's definitely an argument for that. But money has been spent. Six, you can't say that 60-odd million on, on, on Bele and... Um, the money that was spent on Lacelso and other players of Richarlison hasn't been money spent, but obviously, especially in Ndombele's case, it's obviously just not been spent effectively, and that that's what's led to Kane leaving. But I mean, Kane wanted to leave at the end of the day, and from obviously we didn't, we weren't sure. I mean, an R in, but now that everything's come out and there's a lot more sort of clarity in what the situation was, Kane's wanted out for a little while now, and at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do about that. So. Of course, people are entitled to their levy out chance and all that. But I really hope the next week isn't about that. I really hope that it's about getting behind Ange. Because at the end of the day, we support a football club. We're there to watch football. And let's get behind the football team. And let's leave the other stuff, at least for now. Look, if, if it goes the wrong way, and in six months' time, we're in a disastrous situation, which I do not see happening, then by all means, let's sort of create noise and, and make it an uncomfortable place to be absolutely but for now we're at the beginning the beginning of a new era and I'd really love it if everyone sort of made it about welcoming the manager and making it about that um, which I'm sure it will be uh, sometimes you get caught up in the sort of Twitter nonsense and the negativity and um, it makes you sort of 
use the the Twitter space as a, as representative of the fan base. But the truth is, a huge portion of Spurs fans, especially match tenant ones, uh, don't engage on Twitter, and they are lucky for it. I often think about deleting, but it is a way to stay in touch with the general feeling. And um, for that reason, especially if you're trying to do a podcast, you need it to promote it. So yeah, um, so yeah, that was that was today. It was a it was a, a positive start. Um, can't get too overexcited. It's frustrating that we didn't push a little bit more for the win. But again, I, I do feel we're a little bit further behind teams in terms of our match fitness, and I imagine players were tired mentally. And I mean, yeah, I mean, on top of that, they stood on they stood on the pitch for five ten minutes before the game actually started because of the obvious issue with the the waterworks and then we're talking I think there was 16 17 minutes uh, injury time when you when you combine first and second half as well so that's these aren't excuses but they're definitely reasons for why we probably looked a little bit lethargic in the last 10 or 15 minutes but a lot to be positive about a lot to be excited about I'm as excited if not more excited than I was before the beginning of the season, only thing that shit is we've got to wait another six days for a game now, but um, plenty of time for Ange to get into them and drill them for a United game, which is going to be really great to watch, um, really exciting, and uh, yeah, um, really look forward to that. So thank you very much for listening to uh, episode two of the Suffering Spurs Suff- Suffering with Spurs podcast with me, Sean Torgerman. Um I'll be doing another episode after the United game, um, unless something dramatic happens in the week leading up to it. Uh, thank you very much for listening and take care. Bye.